Alright, hi guys. This is episode 17 of Tic Tac Talk. Uh, we'll be discussing iOS 10. My name is Candace. I'm Rob. And I'm Tiffany. And so uh, this week we wanted to kind of decide to talk about the new software update for our iPhones and iPads. Uh, it's kind of been Apple heavy with our last two episodes, but I think iOS 10 has made such a big impact um, both in the media and then in our everyday lives. We kind of just want to discuss the features and everything, but um, don't worry if you guys are running Android or Windows Phone. I'll be giving a more balanced diet soon. Um, just Rob and I have been having some great conversations, I think, about what we're doing with I uh, iOS. Um, we kind of just wanted it as an episode. And I think, you know, iOS 10 is interesting in another way because uh, even if you're running Android or Windows 10 or uh, are really having to Facebook Messenger, um, iOS 10 in a lot of ways uh, brings to fruition a lot of the ideas really popular in tech right now, like the bot or bots, the applications in iMessage, the applications in Maps, those integrations between applications I think are really key, and the implementations in Siri. It really speaks a lot to what's going on in tech right now, and is a really interesting vision for the future of mobile software. So I think just in that sense, it's a really interesting case study. Exactly, and uh, for us too, it might be a, a subset of the population, of course, especially um, compared to the rest of the world, but a lot of people in our lives who are not normally very tech-heavy or tech-focused, we're you know, down on this update and we're playing around with all these features. So even the people in our lives are experiencing these changes. And mm -hmm. so I think it's given us some, some interesting perspective in uh, what the software has brought. Definitely. So um, should we start with the watch first or the phone? Oh, yeah. Um, or we could also talk about Sierra for a little bit. Do you want to start with that? Yeah, definitely. Sure. So I'm running OS, or sorry, excuse me. I'm running Mac OS Sierra. I guess I'll use that on my laptop. Um, I signed up for the public beta and they released the Gold Master, so I've been running with that. Uh, it's pretty good. I don't think we have a ton to say about Sierra because it's kind of similar. Sierra MX is actually pretty helpful. Uh, the keyboard shortcut, which you can map on, on your own. I hold down the um, finder shortcut, so it's pretty handy. You can play music with it. You can look up folders. Pretty much everything you can do with it on the phone. Um, the drag and dropping is pretty cool. So like, I asked Siri if you could pull up um, all my resume traps, and then I could find which one really quickly and easily without searching in Finder. So oh, it's cool. a nice addition to Finder and kind of nice augmentation. Um, yeah. It's it's good if you don't know how to spell something too, <laughs> which oh, actually yeah. happens more often out when I'm looking for file names and like how do I spell this person's last name or something like that. So it's pretty cool for that and also for like music. Um, I was about to say like now at this point, I'm I'm so used to working on iOS as my, one of my main operating systems. Sometimes I want to be like. Tell you know, I don't want to say the command, but hey, person that lives on the phone, play this artist. And I forget that when I'm on a Mac, I can't do that. So yeah. this seems like a perfect integration. And it's also just like if you're multitasking, typing something along, you can have Siri just jack in the appointment. Um, so that's probably the biggest addition. The uh, unlocking with the watch I've been trying out, that is super cool. It seems to be the first time you wake from sleep, like a longer sleep, it's uh, kind of hit or miss. But after that, it works magically. Every single time, it works so quick. I'm just excited for it too because I even ran like third-party applications on my phone um, back when I worked in my office uh, as a software engineer. You know, if you didn't lock your computer when you stepped away, you were like very at risk of getting fat catted, which is getting your wallpaper changed to a picture of a obese <laughs> feline. But um, it didn't work as well since it's a third-party application. This is built in, and I think this is a great sign, a great example of the hardware and software integration of mm -hmm. Apple's ecosystem. Say what you want about it, whether or not you're a fan, but this is what the vision is, and this is what the end goal for a lot of these uh, technology companies want to do. Definitely, and it, it's nice the way they're integrating and getting features like Siri across all devices. Um, kind of to wrap up Sierra, the tabs and apps, uh, really cool, nice feature. I like them in the terminal a lot. I think I've already been there, but I like using it there and have used it elsewhere. Uh, Photos update is pretty good, kind of the same as iOS 10. We'll talk about that a little more in a bit. Um, Xcode 8 is really good, um, especially Swift 3 is really interesting if you're writing Swift code. I'm kind of just getting into it, so everybody uh, who's a big of Swift, take this with a grain of salt if I say something incorrectly, but um, I think the model of Swift 3 and writing code that naturally is kind of like self-documenting and really readable is really, really interesting. And um, it's definitely it made me excited about writing software in Swift. So um, a lot of really interesting stuff coming off Mac OS Sierra, and I'm excited to use more. And overall, like, since you're running the uh, Gold Master, is it pretty stable? Has there any issues or anything? Oh yeah, I've had no problems. Even in the beta when I was running it, um, it was really stable. Uh, they really kept a lot of the same from El Capitan, and that's a good way. El Capitan was really stable, Yeah. Um, so I've enjoyed it a lot. I want to say just the overall theme then of all the software updates that have come out, um, or are about to come out, it's like the stability. Um, I think starting from 7, there's always been this issue where 
a lot of things have changed and they've become really ambitious and there is a lot of, you know, we've had to become tech support for a lot of our family members and friends. I think this version, there were a couple of hiccups, but overall the stability and performance have been major keys um, in, you know, satisfaction of yeah. what I've been doing. From my perspective, and um, I, I should note, like I haven't really been an iOS user since iOS 9. I was on Android before that, no Windows Phone. But iOS 7 seemed to be like turning the corner into kind of um, a new thinking of how to do mobile. And before that, I don't feel like it was as focused as much on um, doing things with applications. A lot of that is with the sharing model, I think. Yeah. The way they implemented sharing iOS 8, correct? Yeah, with iOS 8. 8. I think that stuff, um, the redesign was one thing. The redesign was really cool. Um, definitely do, and I, I love the aesthetic. But the way they've implemented sharing, the split screen view, a lot of these features, it, it's really interesting how they're making mobile. Um, even with iOS 10 too, much more like a full featured computing platform. You know, everything kind of works together very seamlessly. Actions are much more fluid. Applications themselves are much more like traditional desktop software programs where they can reach out and get what they need and just yeah. accomplish tasks as opposed to just do one thing really good then hop in and out. Um, and not that you can't still do that, but there, there's so much more. Um, there's been a growing population of people I've been following on uh, Twitter and like podcasts who are really going iOS only uh, for the first time. And I think it's really due to the software maturity um, of iOS, especially like, yeah, starting from the iOS 5, like a, an iPad was a single use device. It was just an extension of your phone. And really, honestly, you were still relying on, you know, a traditional Mac OS 10 laptop or desktop. I think at this point, there's a lot of journalists and people who can go iPad only and iOS only. And I think that's just a testament to its overall maturity. Mm, yeah, it's been a really interesting direction that was taken with this uh, and iOS 10. Um, and to speak to both sides of the coin, you know, Android has had sharing forever, but they too, uh, especially with Nubia and the split screen, have kind of um, expanded on their vision of yeah. how mobile software should work too. I'm definitely jealous of Nubia, especially with their larger, like with the Nexus XP, they can do the uh, two pane. There's like, many times when I'm checking something on my phone and I just wish I could do the slide over and the split view that I have on my iPad. Especially with a phone this large and carrying it, mm -hmm. I wish it was implemented somehow. Yeah, and, and I, I we've said this before, but there's a lot of feature uh, parity. I mean, the, the two, you can pretty much do whatever you want on either device. Um, it is pretty good. Definitely differences, but. Um, people like yeah. to say that, like, especially for iOS, it's made for the mainstream, for people who are not very techie or like don't believe in really diving deep into workflows. And I think the beauty of iOS, it can be a very basic operating system that you can hand to someone like my like 85 year old aunt. But underlying the things that you can do with the applications and the way that sharing works, you know, I can get so much done in iOS and some of the apps and the integrations, especially with iOS 10 that are really disgusting. You know, there's a joy and a delight to using it, and there's even just a speed and convenience with using mm -hmm. it. That's a good way to put it. I think one of the definitely core comments of iOS is if you give it to somebody who hasn't used an iPhone for a little bit, or um, even seem like the iPhone, the original iPhone. A lot of those core concepts are still there, and you know it's easy to just pick up because it's a very obvious, very function-first user interface. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to more advanced things like implementing workflows or um, I don't know, exporting into this and importing to that. Just seeing what like how Federico Batici is doing, like running his whole website off of an iPad with all these like Python scripts and stuff like that too. You know, like your grandma would never be able to think about doing it, yeah. but it's all available in this domain of iOS. Definitely, definitely. It's become a lot more accessible. And I would agree, you know, while you can do an Android, it's definitely much more straightforward iOS. Yeah. At least in my experience and with those who I, I feel I was tech savvy. <laughs> exactly. That's an excellent point. Uh, but maybe moving on, we can talk about um, Watch OS 3 that also came out. So yeah. both iOS and Watch OS 3 um, were released on Tuesday as the major software updates. Uh, these were demoed during WWDC 2016. Um, and then, I'm not sure about you, but were you running the watch beta beforehand, or was no. this new? I was running every beta but the watch beta. Yeah, so um, truthfully, this is actually my first year really that I've cheated. I usually wait until the new iPhone comes out before I run new iOS. Um, but I was so excited about the refinements of iOS, and I just couldn't wait until uh, Friday to try it out. Um, but for watchOS 3, it was completely new, never experienced it. Um, but it was definitely the one I've been anticipating the most. Um, you know, having watch... Apple Watch since day one, right? There's this potential and this um, vision of what it can be. And I think truthfully from watchOS 1 to 2 is improved, but my functionality of the watch has definitely changed um, with watchOS 3. Mm, I, I think with watchOS 3, you kind of see what Steve Jobs was talking about when he says the MacBook is like a truck and the iPhone is like a car. And I guess that makes the Apple Watch a bike. But, um, you know, like rollerblades or something? Maybe. Yeah. I think the Apple Watch, the iPhone when it first came out was kind of like a bike. 
you know, you could do these simple tasks here and there. And don't get me wrong, it was very powerful too, but it was very um, functionally driven. Like, you would have one app for this and one app for that, and they're kind of isolated in the sandbox, and they're great, don't get me wrong. But that's kind of what the watch has become now, I think. Yeah. Like, you look at the phone, and it's, it is approaching the complexity of a full computer to point people are running their whole websites off of it. It's a very, or much more mature operating system and much more uh, capable than it was when it first started. And then you look at the watch, and it kind of harks back to that original vision of something, um, you know, so simple, so purpose-driven, and so uh, in and out, that kind of edible, uh, snackable software, I guess is what yeah. people said. So I really like that, and WatchOS 3 really brings that out a lot more. It's much faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, the way applications work, and I think some of the new models of how they do the software, like putting reminders into its own app, putting Heartbeat into its own app, definitely speaks to how, um, you know, how the software can be modeled. And bite-sized, really. They're like single function, but they work much better. Um, there's more interaction, and there's more feedback from the user input. Um, I feel like it's definitely much more... Uh, concise thought. You know, when Watch OS originally came out, there were a lot of thoughts about how to use SmartWatch, I think. Uh, everybody had a lot of thoughts. Nobody really knew exactly what to do. And with this, I think there's much more of a clear vision of what Apple's thinking. There was a simplification of their product line. I think with the software, there's a refinement in the vision of what the watch is supposed to do. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's becoming the rollerblades or the bike. Especially for me, like, one of the main motivations of getting the watch was I knew I was getting a bigger phone. And especially with someone who has smaller pockets and smaller hands. When I'm walking to campus and things like that too, I don't always have my phone in my hand. And uh, especially with Watch OS 3, it's so much easier and faster to look at the watch, change a song, reply to a message. And uh, that completely aligns with what my vision of the watch was to be from the beginning. Mm. I, absolutely, I absolutely love the scribble feature. That's probably my favorite part about Watch OS 3. I love just swiping out a message on my watch. It makes messaging on my watch so much more useful because you know, well, the voice to text, speech to text worked really well. It didn't always work in like, public too, like... Yeah, there's a social uh, stigma with that, I would say. Talking to your watch, you kind of look like James Bond. I didn't always want to talk to my watch, and I didn't always have the capacity to do so. Like, if I'm sitting in a class, I can't really do that. Mm -hmm. But with um, Sketch, it's so easy. And, and it worked better than I thought. I think I thought there was going to be more of a delay or to wait for each letter to fade, but you can write some quick messages very easily. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. I couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah, so overall, just responding to messages has been a big thing. That's probably one of the largest use cases. I felt like I wasn't able to really utilize that in watchOS 1 and 2. Definitely with 3, with Facebook Messenger, which I use a lot, and now especially messages, it's so easy to send that quick reply to write the message. Um, a couple times when I've been driving, I want to respond, you know, hit a play button, and my phone's on car mount, so I can't reach it, and the watch is too slow and didn't load the application. Now I'm kind of excited where I can give that quick acknowledgement all the phone. True, true. I also say like the dot is pretty awesome. Uh, now that the apps can do a background refresh, having them just right there, like I love it for my reminders, my calendar. Yeah. Messages too, like checking really quickly if you're in class and you don't want to take out your phone. Um, I think the dock is awesome. I think the, the move of making that button instead of going to that weird circle friend profile into a dock where you get your most accessed apps, genius. I'm like so glad they did it. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. And I, um, the only thing I'm a little curious about uh, and I haven't played around with this, so maybe you can answer this for me. But so if I want to send you a message, and I've never sent you a message before, can I initiate that on the watch without Siri? I actually don't know. I would ask you too, like, how do you, is the is that circle interface to do um, Yeah, where are the drawings? I don't know. That's actually a great question. I, I actually haven't tried. Maybe I'll, I'll play with it right now while we're talking. <laughs> um, but so that's something I'm not sure about. I mean, there's always Siri. Yeah, and truthfully, I always thought that other interface with all the apps expanded out was a little bit difficult to maneuver. I've heard feedback from other uh, friends and family who own Apple Watches. That dock model and that intuition of sliding between all your major apps, I think is a little bit more um, similar to what people are used to. That whole circle interface itself is a little disorienting. It's a little bit difficult to use, even if you have a smaller watch model. Um, the digital crown does help a little bit, but I really go into that interface, especially with the dock at this point. Okay, so two things. You can send a message to a contact, you force touch messages. Oh, okay. Uh, so kind of simplifying the idea of force touch too, like I've seen force touch, uh, in my opinion, is a lot more consistent in this version. Like the uses are always like new content. It's a new tweet in Twitter, you force touch, and it's a new message, iMessage. Like, so it's getting more consistent, it's kind of like add or edit, like 
core interactions with the yeah. existing data, you don't do it. And then if you want to add something new, it's that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think they fixed it uphill battle with that type of interaction because it's something not, not completely obvious and visible. But the way that they've been so consistently able to do that, and I think it also models with 3D Touch, where whenever you click on an app icon, it brings you the core features. It's usually add or change. Um, it's a lot more consistent. There's a lot to say about 3D Touch, Force Touch, um, but I, I agree, it's definitely evolving um, to be much more useful than it had initially, at least in my workflows. Um, and also, speaking of the crown reveal, I'd say going back to scribble. <laughs> The um, the uh, changing of words with the scroll wheel, I love that. That's that, that right awesome. there is like such a good case for the scroll wheel because I couldn't think of another good way to do that. You know, you like if you touch on the words, it's kind of hard to touch them. They're so small on the screen, it'd be kind of difficult. But with the scroll wheel, you can look at your own message, you can see what it says in context, and the predictions are pretty good too. Like yeah. um, that really impressed me. I think it really it made the vision of the quicker really quick for me. Like um, time, I was called. Uh, time travel is pretty good with the scroll wheel. That makes sense. Yeah. But this is like much more. Um, you know, time travel is a cool feature, but I don't find myself using it that much. Uh, yeah. Of course, now with Watch Watch City, you can go back and see what songs are playing, which is cool. But uh, this is a really, really great application. At least how I use my watch. This yeah. is really changing how I use it. Yeah, messaging and quick communication has definitely been fully You know, people, a lot of the reviewers have been saying like, this is what Watch OS one two should have been. Uh, not thinking about that way, like, I just care that it's here now, and I'm so glad. I've not really had any hiccups. I've been, I've fallen back in love with the Apple Watch, and I think I've been lukewarm for the almost two years I've had it, or a year, I guess, since I've had it. This is definitely spark love. I enjoy putting it on. I like interacting with it for the last two days. Yeah, I really liked mine before. I always said it was a great watch. It was good for notifications and sending back a quick reply. Uh, I would say I love mine now, and it's, it's really useful, and I think it, um, it's replaced my phone a lot more. I think this update is really changing how it works. And also, I think we should talk about the fitness a little bit. Yeah, I, I was going to say, we, are, we just added another friend too, but um, I think one major focus for Apple with this new watch line and the software is for fitness. And a, a major, I guess, player in the wearable fitness is, of course, Fitbit and uh, how they've implemented game, uh, gamification. Uh, me and my producer have talked about, you know, at a company that we work at, there's been this major push to get one of these fitness tracking bands and compete against friends to help earn credits or help towards a fundraiser. Like, it just seemed like it was always a missing component in Apple Watch, especially with the rings and how they implement it. People are obsessed with filling those rings. Oh, yeah. I, I can't speak to, like, I, I've heard Fitbit's implementation is a little more complex, uh, which you probably expect they've been doing a little bit longer. Um, so I can't really speak to compare the two. But um, this is my first fitness tracker, my first foray into sharing it, and I, I think it's so much fun. I, uh, <laughs> we've added each other, we've added our producer, anyone that we print, we own, uh, know that owns an Apple Watch, we've added to the list. And well, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I was like, they were like, oh, do you want me to come over? I'm like, you know, actually, y'all, come over there, I feel like taking a walk. And I'm like, why, is he getting your rings up? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there was definitely, it motivated me to walk to class a couple more times, so I didn't want to be last. Like, I had a list of friends, and I know they're watching me, yeah. and, like, they might have the full list, and I was like, I can't be the one person with only 25% filled. So, like, let me, let me scurry over there. And I do like how it's based on the percentage and not on the, um, the yeah. amount of steps. Well, like, you know, the competitor in me wants to be like, oh, come on, my goal is higher, I should be beating them. That's nice, because, like, you know, it shows somebody who may not be as physically fit as you, or maybe more physically fit you as you, and kind of puts on the same level. It's like, exactly. how are you doing in your personal progress? I think that's a good model to look at, so. You're still competing, but you're, you're still competing against yourself, really, yeah. versus other people. That but was that, interesting. It's very big motivational. Yeah. yeah, and now I'm telling people, like, you should have watched, we can all compete. Like, it's been satisfying to have that list of, like, five or six people already. I've been trying to get my family members on it, too, to get them motivated nice. to walk around, too, because they uh, all own Apple Watches. But yeah, that whole aspect too is really interesting, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts too. If you get the new watch and do the running and stuff with the built-in GPS, I've heard great feedback about that too. People are really excited. Yeah, and uh, also the breathe out. I think we should mention. Um, I really like that idea. I don't know about you guys so much, but like, yeah, I find that something when I am stressed out, I do always try to remember to breathe, and uh, yeah. I really like the reminders. So I think it's a nice touch the other day just to take a second and relax. Yeah, I've heard people like make jokes about it. We're like, oh, well, you like always breathe all the time. Like, how do you breathe? But, like. But I think especially in our work time, in our school environment, um, and like it's constantly going, we live near New York, you know, mindfulness is really important and finding balance. And I've been one of those people that to overcaffeinate, to overstress, and not spend the time to kind of recollect my thoughts um, and like practice my breathing. So I think this is a really great way. Same thing where like sometimes I don't remember to stand every hour. This small reminder is just a good trigger to remind myself to make sure I take care of myself throughout the day. Yeah, it's a nice reminder. And now with the uh, iOS 10, kind of a segue, 
Oh, they have a sleep tracker too. Yeah. So with their four little tiles in um, the health app, now we're just missing the food tracking and Apple taking care of all the rest. Pretty cool. Yeah, like just making it so easy to quantify, quantify your life, quantify your health and stuff. It makes me want to do it because it's already integrated. I want to see the bar graphs and things like that too mm -hmm. to see, you know, how can I correlate my own performance in both you know, my personal, professional, and education to, you know, what I'm doing, what I'm eating, and things like that too. Definitely. And if you've been listening from season one, um, you'll know I tried quantifying my life last season. I used um, LifeSum, WaterMinder, uh, actually, I don't remember WaterMinder at the time, but LifeSum and pillow to get my sleep yeah. and my eating and then I have my watch and my phone for fitness tracking stuff. Uh, so I was getting almost all of them except mindfulness which they recently added. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that. It was pretty uh, interesting seeing like the quantities of my life and how my diet worked out at certain days versus others. Um, but I ultimately went away because I felt like it was a lot of work. I was going to ask you, there's some stuff you did like manually input, especially for food, right? Yeah, food I've kind of given up on. Um, I would love to get back into it. like. It was really interesting to see the data. It's just a lot of work. Um, I do like how they how they, or their approach to the sleep timer, though. I like uh, it's definitely not as full featured as Pillow, yeah. By design, um, but it's pretty simple. It kind of does a good job of getting you into your routine because it, it sets an alarm and it just always goes off at that time if if you so choose. You can set yeah. it like only weekdays. And it's built into like once everyone updates to iOS, it's something built and it, it makes people think because. Some people don't realize how sleep works and how you can't just make up for sleep. It's like a habit that you have to build, and yeah. uh, there's a lot of science behind it. I think a lot of social college students are like, well, if I only sleep two hours today, next Saturday if I sleep 24 hours, then I'm fine. And it's not really that mechanism. Yeah, I'm playing with it now. I'm trying to get myself to wake up earlier. So <laughs> I'm hoping this will help me do the trick and really push myself in that direction. Um, I set my alarm for 8 a.m. every day, so we'll see how long this lasts. But I'm, I'm excited to try it out, and I like you know, the approach is simple. It's uh, a low barrier to entry. Yeah. Something like Pillow or um, Life Somewhere. It's a lot of engagement. Um, and for some users, you know, that's great. But I, I think this is really interesting and a really good approach. Let me ask you really quickly, which app are you using for water tracking? Because I actually just had a conversation again with our producer about, like, I woke up not feeling great. And I could really derive from the fact that I was definitely dehydrated and drinking coffee wouldn't work. I was thinking maybe I should use an app to track it. But have you had any success? Or do you like a particular app for that? I did mention water reminder a second ago. I just tried using water reminder. Um, it's kind of true to say, to be honest, but it seems pretty good. It sends you reminders that they say like, "Hey, just drink water." Mm -hmm. um, my, my gripe with it really is the thing about drinking water is water doesn't just come from water. You know, it comes from soda to a lesser extent, but juices or like uh, pickles are good sources of water. You know, or like certain vegetables. Um, yeah. Like a lot of things have water in it, so you don't always have to drink water. So what? I, what I'm not loving about it is it'll tell me, you know, my water intake is fairly mediocre, but it's like, you know, I feel okay, I feel hydrated, and, um, you know, I understand, okay. like, it's hard to really quantify that stuff, but, um... I think I need to need a more constant reminder, because I yeah. constantly over-caffeinate. I, I always would try to make a goal where if I had one coffee, I would drink one water, one water bottle's worth of water constantly, but I don't have the reminder. Sometimes I just don't have the appetite, so I just don't want yeah. to drink it, and then I just continue drinking more coffee. I think water mine is good for me. So, to my complaint, <laughs> it's kind of a nitpicky complaint, and that is a very hard problem to solve. I don't know how they would do it. But I guess my thing that I hate about water mine is I feel like they never fill up the person, and I'm always like, oh, I drink so much water today, and I'm like, you know, I'm peeing all the time, I'm like, why can't I do it? And there's even been debate <laughs> about how much water you drink, right? Since we were kids, we've been told to drink the eight glasses, but there's been conflicting reports of whether or not that's even, like, that's too much or too little, even based on people's weights, heights. Yeah, I, I, and I, I personally attribute part of that to the fact that, you know, you get water from other sources. Yeah. And that's hard to reflect on these things. Um, so, as a person, I think, like, as a core concept, I almost wish they removed the body to fill up. And just like, um, just told you like how much water you drink or something. And like maybe try to like, you know, yeah. maybe like not start you so high. Like start you kind of low and slowly build you up. Because it starts you up drinking quite a bit when you're not used to it. Like <laughs> Yeah, once again, it's like building, it's habit building at the core principle, right? Like yeah. slowly building up a tolerance and that mechanism to whenever you're bored or you're hungry, reach for that water bottle first. And I think part of that, um, also part of my complaints is I do need to drink more water. So... I'm not doing a good job training myself. I just put it to the recommended one. Maybe I should have put it a little lower to build a tolerance. To, to, you know, feel accomplished and then slowly build it up from there. Um, so, so part of that, I think there's definitely some self. Uh, yeah. I need to reflect a little bit on myself, but uh, as a reminder app, it's pretty good. 
Um, I'm interested to see like if they have a watch implementation where I can put like how much water I drink from my watch and the reminders and stuff. Actually, I think they have it loaded. That's been on my mind uh, recently. Yeah, just some days I wake up and I, I drink a lot of water and I feel a direct correlation with how I feel in terms of like eating, energy, just overall performance. And then sometimes I just wake up and I'm not in the mood. Drink a lot of coffee to compensate. Feel mm -hmm. terrible. Hit, hit that crash. And I think a lot of it's not being hydrated enough. Yeah, so they do have a watch app. Um, it looks like you can't enter it from the watch app, which is interesting. Yeah, so I'll probably be looking around for solutions. Um, I guess if I find anything, you'll oh, just... You can oh, you can. Okay, so you can enter from the app and you just kind of fill a ring. Uh, it'd be cool if you can get that ring on the health rings, but sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's pretty straightforward. They have achievements too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So it's a nice implementation. They've done a lot of work around it. I have a friend who drinks a lot of water and he challenges himself all the time to do it. Maybe if I gamify it again, I try to be against him at some level, you know, percentage of goal, and that motivated me. Because I've been really like staring at those activity rings today since we added all those people. The thing um, about drinking water, at least in my experience, um, I feel like we're getting this much drinking water. But, I'm thirsty. Um, yeah, right. It is making me thirsty. <laughs> um, Tiffany and Ken just went to get their water bottles. Uh, the other thing water is, you know, you can't, I mean, I guess you can, but the I think the best way to do it, and maybe this isn't for health, but it's for comfort, is to drink it gradually throughout the day, right? Yeah. And with water on so, uh, and because I'm a competitive person, I was like, oh, I'm behind, I can drink a lot of water. And then I'll, you know. You'll chug a whole bunch of water. Yeah, and I won't feel great, and I'll go to the bathroom all the time, and that's not really, you know, yeah. great. Is it healthy? Maybe, I mean, it is good that I'm getting that in there, I'm getting hydrated, but I, I think I'd be uh, more comfortable if I was drinking it like I should be. So, yeah. you know, there, there's pros and cons of gamification, as always. Yeah. But, um, we'll be doing our full water episode in the future, in the next season. So. I'll give it four to five stars. Four out of five water droplets. Yeah, four, four out of five ounces. Fluid ounces. Alright, okay. um, so anything about Watch OS 3? I think we should move on to the really, the big... The big content stuff that we talk about. Last words. I think WatchOS three is definitely not as big an update as iOS ten. iOS ten is pretty huge. Yeah. But it is, I think, one of the. I think it is more interesting than iOS ten in the, like the vision of a smartwatch. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, outside of the fitness features, because I know the fitness is a focus, but um, you know the way they're implementing, and this is kind of the same with iOS ten. The most interesting stuff is how they've opened up. Uh, the office and third parties with like the doc and things like that. Yeah. So, and the background refreshing. Um, so, I think it's really interesting and it'll make the watch a much more prominent device to take the bicycle, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I am, I feel more incli naturally inclined to uh, recommend the watch for people who might not have one already and that I've fallen in love back with the product. Mm. I'm ready to keep your diamond buttons in <laughs> yeah, so our producer also owns an Apple Watch, and she's been added, and uh, we've already been talking some garbage to each other about competing yeah. and stuff, but... Not to brag, but I am winning right now. Yeah, Rob has some very high goals and stuff, but luckily, once again, it's based on percentage, not just pure data. Yeah. Um, but we'll keep you updated. Maybe we'll do some type of a TTT tally or... Yeah, every every podcast will update with who's winning. <laughs> so every Tuesday or whatever, just up the game. <laughs> All right iOS 10. Um, I'm actually kind of excited. I think, if you don't mind, can we just kind of jump into messages, which I feel like has been the meat and potatoes of the excitement behind iOS 10, especially for me. I'm not sure if I'm mm -hmm. speaking for you. Oh, I gotta say, like, confession time. When they did the keynote and I saw the messages stuff, like, don't get me wrong, I thought it was cool, but I didn't really get it. Like, I was excited about it, Yeah. but now that I have it, I'm like, oh, like, that's what they meant. I, you know, like the message effects are cool, the emoji, bigger emojis are cool, all stuff they've done is nice. And even throughout the beta, I was like, you know, this is cool, this is fun, I like the new effects, it's, it, it's much more fun than it used to be. But when the apps came out, it was like, oh my god. The light bulb came out. Like, like, I was like, there's so much potential here. And I think part of that um, was, I, I don't think I fully understood, you know, when they said apps and messenger, like, I was like, oh, yeah, stickers, you know, like, quick little thing, sending money. But like, um, I think Words with Friends, you know, like, even though I don't really love Words with Friends, mm -hmm. they're, they're, like, the full game is there. And, like, Open Table, where you can, like, vote in restaurants, yeah. or some of the other stuff, like, there's so much functionality. I found myself today, like, I, I was, like, multitasking messages. I was, like, 
sending uh, words to friends in messages to another person, and like I popped up a message notification on top of that. Since like yeah. so that point, I'm like, I was doing so much in messages in that moment. I was like, wow, like yeah. this is really like a computing platform in messages. Um, and there's so much to say about that. But I'll let you get a word before I. No, yeah, um, definitely. I think. Once again, I think some of the stuff is kind of gimmicky and some of the stuff will fade to the background. I think a lot of the chat effects with the balloons and the bubbles and stuff like that too, that's really exciting and I've seen a lot of excitement from my friends who are not normally interested in technology. But I think the core strength of what Apple is really buying for, I think, is that same vision of, you know, the bots and the, you know, turning messages into a platform, which we've kind of seen with Facebook Messenger and why I used to have so heavily rely on it. But the one that got me really excited is the Venmo implementation. Mm -hmm. So Venmo, it's, you know, if you already have the app installed, you allow the integration on messages. And if you're in a conversation with someone and you want to send them money, um, you put in the amount, you put in the message, and you send it um, all within the application, all within the chat. Um, And then they have to, if they already have Venmo, they can click on it, and then it gets transferred. If not, it expires, and the money doesn't get sent. I think this is a little bit nicer than Facebook's implementation because instead of forcing people to switch to another service or technology, it's all done within the application. Um, and it's pretty natural, right? A lot of times you're texting someone, hey, like, I think I paid for dinner, like, can you Venmo me this money back? Uh, that that practical application, I'm really excited to see how it works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's important to note, like, um, people have said to me, like, oh, this is a Windows Live Messenger all over again, you know, it's got apps in it, it's been done. And, um, you know, true, it's not the first messaging platform to have apps built in, just Facebook Messenger, Google Hangouts had some extensions. But what I think what separates iOS apart is, um, first of all, like, I think the way they integrate and like, um, you know, act out, it, it seems much more integrated than some of the others. It's not like something added on. It feels like it's part of the experience. It works very nicely. It, it looks like iMessage and it works on the watch. It works across platforms. Um, so, so that's really impressed me. Yeah. How, how it feels so integrated and how it like just, you know, is right there on the keyboard, not opening up this three dot menu like some others use yeah um, and the discoverability through that too is also i think much nicer yeah um so i feel really like i got a taste of it I, I used the google keyboard as my main keyboard up until ios 10 but you know those things where like you can do small searches within the keyboard to find gifts and restaurants and stuff i thought that was brilliant when i saw it mm-hmm. um, but truthfully after i saw it happen in messages completely i switched back to the ios keyboard because all that is available they had built-in gift searching for my message um and all the app stuff too True. And I think you look like um, at a model like Facebook Messenger, which I would say is the other big platform right now for messaging. Facebook Messenger is good for the things that are there on their top bar. Just like messages, gifts, money, transportation, which I have not used a lot, but I know some people use, um, and like uh, the stickers. Like all that stuff is right there in the bar. Mm-hmm. But you know, like we were looking at it today, they have draw with friends in the three dot menu, they have a Dropbox integration, like they have I would say almost as much stuff as iMessage has, yeah. if not more stickers because they've been around longer. Yeah. But you know, it's it's buried away in that three dot menu, and you know their algorithm will populate it up to the top menu. But it's not so. Um, yeah. it, it, it's just not as discoverable. Like I, I really didn't know they had some of that stuff in there because their representation of the apps is just one long list. And to install Facebook Messenger app, which is kind of a hassle, a, a lot of them you have to go in and install another app on your phone just for the Facebook Messenger app. Like, for Facebook's, um, they have like a gift-making app where you take a couple photos and put it together. And it's pretty fun. I've played with it a couple of times to send to friends. But I always end up deleting it because it's like you have to put this additional app on your phone. And it has no other um, functionality outside of Facebook. It's, it's a right. second Messenger shortcut, really. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Facebook has some pretty compelling apps, I would say. But <laughs> the barrier to entry, especially, you know, you have all those people on 16 gigabyte phones, a lot of space. Yeah. You have to install another app. I mean, yeah. I, I guess the counter arguments that would be, well, if, even if you don't install the app itself and you just like install it into the messenger, that's still more space. Yeah. True. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but like, I think what I like about the Apple Watch too is like, I was already using Open Table. I was already using Yelp. I was already using Venmo, like you said. Yeah. And now it just integrates in, which is really nice. So it's, it's in the sense, much more of a shortcut than an app, but it's, it's implemented in such a way that it feels like the full app, um, and I was still on Canvas, and there's a lot to say about this integration, but the way OpenTable's done it, with the map stuff, and the Siri integration, and the messages integration, I was like, well, why am I ever using OpenTable, the app anymore? Yeah. This is so much more convenient. I can vote on a restaurant right in the chat. When I go to find a restaurant in Maps, I never really forget to make a reservation because it's 
right there, and I can just click it. Yeah. And it's it's as good as the app, and so much more convenient. The only thing the app has going for me now is recommendations, but but that's perfect. Like the best interface is no interface. I know it's a pretty. I I read a little bit of that book, but not all of it, but. It makes it so seamless and easy to use all these things. And what's the grand vision of what people are calling bot these days, right? Like pulling the core core functionality of all these web services and making it seamless where you can do all of it in this transaction without you having to switch between different interfaces, different paradigms, different payment methods. And I think this is what messages right now in this update is alluding to. And I mean, the huge advantage is also your texting client. Like I sent a jib jab from the uh, iMessage um, uh, apps to a text message. So I was using the apps, but it is a regular conversation with non-iPhone users. So, you know, it, it's really expanding the whole application across a multitude of media. Yeah. Now, obviously I can't do the same interactive stuff, I don't think, and I can yeah. play out with that, so we'll see. But that, that's pretty cool, I think. Like, you know, it gives you a much greater strength to that keyboard, and across two platforms there, so the Facebook message is one. Yeah. I think it's still right now a key strength of Facebook Messenger is it's still cross-platform. So for everyone who does have Android, then you have to utilize you know group chats, group messaging, uh, signing group names and stuff like that too. I think that still falls with Facebook Messenger. And you can actually, I should probably clear that, you can text through Facebook Messenger now. I know you can on Android, I'm not sure about iOS, but I see my friend's uh, cell phone numbers come up. Yeah, it's probably an Android thing since Android already has those other apps that allow you to text through the interface like Hangouts and... Um, Air SMS? What's the uh, airmail? There's a couple of them. I actually think it does work with uh, oh, really? Facebook Messenger, but don't quote me on it. But I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. I can confirm my dad uses it here. I'm not Okay. I think it works on iOS 2, actually, though. Or something. Yeah. I yeah. see full phone numbers come up, so I'm assuming there's something there. Something there working, yeah. Um, and once again, I want to iterate this, and then we have a subset, but there's a lot of people, especially on our college campus, that are already on iPhones, and our core, my core friend group is on iPhones. And so it's pretty easy, right? All they do is update. They weren't really opposed to it. And then showing them all these different functionalities, um, there was like a certain level of delight once again and having so much fun. And we moved a couple of chats, group chats, that were previously living exclusively in Messenger back into iMessage. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that I had to switch left between the two is even better. Yeah, it, it really done a good job. And also like including things like 3D Touch and the effects. And I love how the stickers are like actually stickers or you can actually stick them on top of things. Like, I hadn't even thought of that in Facebook. They're like, oh, that makes so much sense. These really aren't stickers, they're just images. Yeah. So that like, was kind of cool, too. That's, like, so fun, right? And, yeah, the, the idea of, like, what is a sticker and then showing people that they can do this. Like, yeah. once again, like, a smile to their face. Like, it'll get crowded and I think it'll get cluttered, but I think the first couple of weeks when everyone's learning how to play with it, it's going to be a little bit excessive. I think as it kind of recedes back and the assignment recedes, that functionality will still be there. Um, another thing that I do also love is how they expand URLs. So mm -hmm. for um, YouTube links, web links and stuff, they include the image. Um, and so instead of just it looking like a traditional old 140 character message back and forth, it's like this expanded view of mm -hmm. a conversation. And I mean, YouTube links, you can play in Messenger, pretty cool. And you can force touch them and just play them right there with something like a tweet preview. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of like, you know, layers to this uh, that make iMessage really featured and new interactive notifications, you pop it open as like the full iMessage right there on top of anything. Yeah, be able to quickly go and have a full conversation, have that window, wait for a reply, finish it, close the phone again. Uh, I've already done that a couple of times naturally and it's it's been it's been great. I mean talk about ecosystem locking, but like that's super convenient to just pop that open anywhere and you get like, you know, the full thing, not just a quick reply and the conversation context and everything. So um, I'm really impressed with iMessage. I I was impressed when I saw like Keynote, but it's like blowing me away with the new app store. Just I, the implementation of it, yeah, everything with the apps, with the uh, URL expansion and stuff like that really impressed me. And the other thing I want to bring up is um, is stickers, right? So they've made it really easy for anyone to create stickers. You actually don't have to write a line of code if you want to just do traditional stickers to sell in the app store. Um, but the big question with when Facebook bought WhatsApp, um, and there's this big conversation of, what will become the cacao talk or the, the WhatsApp of the United States was like, there's a whole subculture, especially in Asia, where people love stickers. The brands of these chat apps become cultural icons that companies can market. WeChat, right? Yeah, and WeChat and like, I'm thinking with the bear and line and stuff like that too. It's a whole cultural phenomenon. And I always wondered like, would the American culture and market really enjoy stickers? And I think Facebook Messenger at the first step really showed people really aligning with these characters, these brands really, really into using it. Um, but there's a reason why Apple really invested in this ecosystem, and there's, it's been so much fun to download these different branded stickers. 
I mean, also, Apple, like, not going to target the partnerships. I mean, they have Disney, Star Wars, Pokemon, Mario, right out of the bat. Like, oh, my God. They, they, they kind of got lost in Atlanta. To be fair, Pokemon, or right, Facebook has Spongebob, Frozen, and they do have Star Wars, too. I think they have some pretty good ones. And their like, homegrown ones are really great. Like, I love the Yeti one. Um, yeah. There's also, like, the dog. They have Boo the dog and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, Facebook has some good ones, too. And don't get me wrong, like, I don't mean to say Facebook Messenger is dead by any means. I think they have actually, you know, there aren't really a lot of true bots on Apple's ecosystem right now. So Facebook has that going for it. And I think moving forward will be really, really interesting. Also, like you said, it's cross platform. So, in a lot of ways, they're like kind of fundamentally different in how they're approaching this. Yeah. But um, I've been very impressed with iMessage. I mean, from iOS 9 to iOS 10, it's like a total uh, just change of how you use it. Yeah. I have to ask. What are your guys' favorite sticker packs right now? I was about to say, I, so me going with this thought about like the idea of like Americans aligning with stickers, like the amount of excitement, I'm interested to see if like American, like people are willing to pay for stickers, how much value they derive, like the idea of like being left out and not being able to use a certain set and like being okay to pay that 99 cents. I never expected myself to be willing to pay for stickers. I this morning bought the Pokemon stickers for $1.99 and yes. I'm, it's one of the best purchases of the week. It's the completely licensed Pokemon stickers, and they're in the style of like the Game Boy Color. So the, the Pokemon Yellow graphic level styles. I'm so happy. It's one of my favorite purchases this week. Um, it's a tough one. So I love the Nintendo ones. But I would say like the most surprising ones. I think you know do I use them the most? Maybe not. But I think the coolest ones actually are like the old Apple ones. Like yeah, that one's so cute. I remember when um, I watched Sam Shepard's uh, vlogs and he. When the first iOS 10 baby came out, he saw that and he was like, what? I can't believe this is Apple. And like, that was kind of a response to like, it was such like a cool thing to do. And that's like a part of their history they don't really touch a lot. So that was, that was so cool to see that in there. Um, I think it's a really uh, fun sticker pack. The other question too is like the amount of image editing and like manipulation is, you know, there's always been that speculation about how Apple wants to build their own Snapchat competitor. Um, I think a lot of the core strength of Snapchat is that ability to like dynamically edit images with visuals with writing, and you can do a lot of that. I'm like looking through group chats where I'm seeing people add, you know, add stickers and images and text onto images, and people are really enjoying it in this social, almost like this social networking way. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that they're augmenting iMessage to this point because this is their gateway. You know, everyone has a version of their Snapchat already pre-installed. It's just a matter of developing it more where it becomes more addictive. Yeah, and um, we should talk about the uh, the digital touch stuff too, which to me seems, um, I mean, I have no idea what they're building, but the, well, two things, like the photos you take in iMessage and like the photo client don't automatically save, so that's kind of Snapchat-like. Mm-hmm. And also digital touch stuff doesn't automatically save, and you can take a picture of that and draw on yourself. It seems a lot like Snapchat yeah, already, exactly. all the same features. Um, I would be surprised if Apple built something like exactly like Snapchat, but... You know, who knows? It's possible. They're surprised with iMessage a lot. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of uh, ephemeral aspects already. Yeah, exactly. And we've never experienced it. It used to be such a vanilla, bland text messaging application. And uh, even just the last 48 hours of having, you know, all of your friends join it and be able to manipulate pictures and add, you know, brand, like, you know, the whole idea of, like, adding brands. But, like, adding these brands, especially for us, like, the nostalgia of Pokemon has made it so much fun to use. And now when I go into Facebook Messenger and I don't get my Pikachu stickers, I'm like, why? Why am I even on this? Yeah, this is a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I only have too much more to say about iMessage, you? No, I think that, that's that been the biggest part. Um, and the biggest surprise, yeah, because I saw the keynote and I'm like, this is gimmick. Like, I'm on Facebook Messenger fully. Like, there's really no need yeah. to switch back and forth. I don't want to fragment where I'm really communicating. But it's been so much fun. A couple of weeks ago, I kept asking us, I was like, you know, you use a lot of products, so why don't you use iMessage more? And she actually, was, she said, uh, well, you know, everybody's on Facebook, so it's more convenient. And now she's moving the chats to iMessage, so. Because I, I realized the most amount of people, when I looked through my iMessage, you know, it's probably one out of five people that have green bubbles. Everyone else I know pretty much is already on iMessage. That's true. I do know a lot of people, which uh, definitely makes experience easier. And um, the new features on the watch make it nicer, like. They've integrated the chat client very well across the platforms. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll probably won't fully switch off of Messenger because I will need group chats with people who are cross-platform. Um, but I am just delighted. I'm very surprised. And uh, I will give the uh, thumbs up for Rob that he was right that I would really enjoy iMessage. Yeah, I'll definitely keep using uh, Messenger as well. I think, you know, Facebook's so big. There's no way I can't have it off my phone. But um, I agree. It, iMessage definitely surprised and uh, really impressed me. 
Um, so kind of going down our list here, uh, Siri had some minor updates. Mm -hmm. um, seems a little bit faster and a little better to answer you. And then uh, the biggest thing is integrations. Yeah. Uh, a lot like iMessage, but um, let's see, there's Venmo, OpenTable, apparently Yelp one we can't figure out how to use. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to send us feedback, but didn't Siri already have Yelp built in into their database, or their knowledge base? When I asked Siri specifically to, about Yelp information, it's bringing up the same cards and information that I believe came up earlier before the software update. So yeah. I'm not sure how in particular doing it. Maybe they like removed that and like made, I, I don't know. It looks the same, but who knows? Yeah. Um, and then the, look the Uber stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think, I believe their Siri API integration uh, targets specific use cases of apps. So not every application will be able to really utilize it in a way that goes with their application, but like ride sharing, payments, reservations, um, reservation, phone calls and messages are the main ones. And truthfully, those are the main ones I would want. Yeah. Um, being able to you know reply to a Facebook message while I'm driving. Have you gotten um, integrations with the Duo Store and how you tried that out? So I don't believe, so that, that's where I'm going with. I don't believe that to do is fits into one of those sub use cases because um, they released their major update for iOS 10, but I haven't seen them add the integration or even talk about it. So I'm not sure if it's limited to only certain types of applications. Um, I was curious in trying like WhatsApp to see how well it integrates and how you can ask WhatsApp to send a message or send a call. Um, but I haven't gotten over like I just don't want to install WhatsApp because I'm just sick of it. So interesting. I for some reason thought that one was coming, so maybe it's rolling out. It might I be. Know. I used to do as often. I've tried all the major grounds using IFTTT and using the reminders list to get. Um, but at some point, I just want to yell at my phone to remind me to buy milk or to do this assignment for class. And I'm not a reminders person. I, mm -hmm. I rely heavily on Todoist. I hope the integration comes soon. Yeah, I use reminders, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, Siri's been good. And again, we kind of just love this with Sierra, but now it's cross-platform. It's a lot better. Oh, one interesting thing, actually, in WatchOS 3, they removed or they changed the animation. So now, uh, at least in my usage, it's just a constant flowing as opposed to like the reactive flowing before. Yeah. Maybe for performance. I don't know. I think it's like a, I want to say it's more of like an HDI component because I think if you have that, like if you know there's always a, a, a deadline for you saying the information, it creates more anxiety for the user. That constant stream also makes it seem like the computer's listening to you. True. And I, I actually remember the WatchOS 2 and 1, there was like a little bit of lag where like it would move after you said the words. So probably people were like, did you get me? That makes sense. That's a good call. Um, so then, Put down our list, the lock screen and the widget view. Yeah, so one major change, I've seen people actually make YouTube videos to teach how the lock screen works. And I can't fully describe it either, but the one major thing is you, um, now if you have a 6S or above, you can actually lift up the phone um, and the screen automatically turns on. Um, and I think that's like super natural, I love it. Um, I think it takes wear and tear, and I, or removes wear and tear from the buttons that you have to push. Um, I think just super natural. It's almost the same with the watch response when you look at the watch. Um, the other thing is they no longer use the swipe to unlock. Um, so one major issue with the 6S is the Touch ID sensor is so responsive that oftentimes people would look at their phones and push the home button to check the time or the notifications and it would unlock too quickly. So I think that's meant to remediate it, especially yeah. as new models of the phone will have that newer Touch ID sensor. Mm. Uh, to, to that point, you should know, I believe you can make it work like iOS 9 where you can just go right in um, to the home screen if you touch the button. Oh yeah, that's under accessibility or something, yes, right? So I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, but that, so that is in there, if you're curious. I know some people have asked me that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it took me a little bit to get to. It's definitely a new paradigm. But now that I know it, I do like it. I think it makes a lot more sense because it's kind of what I do anyways. Yeah, exactly. And it's just made the movement more concise. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense. There's a slide which kind of, you know, once Touch ID got so quick, there wasn't really a point to slide unless you wanted to put in your passcode for some reason. And I think a lot of the confusion derives from people having not the newest hardware and software. You know, you need a 6S to experience that lift to wake. And that Touch ID sensor is only on the most recent app generation of iPhones. I think as more people upgrade their phones and go into these current generations, mm -hmm. it'll make more sense. Because probably if you're on a 5, 5S, 6, it doesn't make as much sense. And I've gotten a lot of confusion from people who don't have those newer phones. Um, but overall, I like it. I'm on the newest phone. It's the reason why I always upgrade, but like this experience of just picking it up. I've done it when I take it out of my pocket and it turns on. And like that, that last layer of like abstraction of having to slide and doing that where the phone auto responds to my movements is really powerful. Mm, yeah. 
the widgets they do and all that stuff. I mean, it, it's really redefining how you use the phone without opening it. Um, and also the new notifications that you're showing right now, popping them open and stuff. Like, it makes going into your phone a much less frequent or much less necessary activity, which is kind of cool. And the retouch is being a lot more utilized too. I haven't, you know, pressed my phone as often after having this phone as often after the software update. A lot of it is really now natural and built in, especially for messages, popping up notification, quickly replying to the full message and then closing it. Mm -hmm. It's been so much fun. Also, your control center is pretty cool. And uh, something I know a lot of people know is like, you can like force touch now on the icons. So like you can change how bright you want your flash out, which is cool. And, like auto set your timer for a couple of different increments. So there's a lot of like neat little stuff there. Uh, cameras, the 3D touch stuff, all that jazz. And then you have your music switch and your um, home one, which I don't have because I don't have any home products. But Yeah, I'm waiting for that new generation of home products to come out and then also become more affordable. But uh, I open that home app once in a while and there's nothing in, in my house that's available. But I like a daydream that I have all of my locks and bulbs and things controllable, but maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, I hope I get there. I uh, first see the house, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is like my first time having my own Wi-Fi network, my own apartment that I can kind of geek out. Big and I'm steps. just like, oh, I should really get some light bulbs. But the home integration now is a necessity for me. Mm -hmm. I haven't found a great uh, affordable option at this point. But hopefully something comes out soon. Yeah, I think it's a very forward-facing step. Um, Anything about the um, control center? I think I know some people have had feedback where they don't like that they can't control it. It takes two swipes now to change their music. For me personally, it doesn't matter. It feels actually more natural. It's nice to have larger information. Yeah. Um, and I change my music a lot truthfully on my watch these days that I don't really even care. Yeah, that's true. And also, like, uh, when they added in night shift mode in iOS 9, I, I personally, I was like, wow, this is getting, like, a lot of controls. Bringing it up like this makes it much more, or much more digestible. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then 3D Touch, we should talk about that. 3D Touch plays a much bigger role in iOS 10, I feel like. Yeah, there's some interactions where I don't even know how it works on a phone that doesn't have it. I must imagine just like a longer hold and interaction, but they must have built some. Because you have to be touching your notifications now, right? Yeah. Open. Yeah, so I, I play with it on my iPad. My iPad is on iOS 10. A lot of them you have to like pull down or hold for a longer time, but like 3D Touch is so much faster. Yeah. And like maybe it's because these interactions are being learned with 3D Touch this time as opposed to like it's a new paradigm off an existing way of using it. But I, I use it so much too. Like I always do these notifications, and especially music now, the new version, which uh, we should probably talk about a little bit too. Like three D touch comes so naturally, and I love like when you're looking at a song and you want to add it to your queue, you three D touch, slide, and just release. Like yeah. you never have to even. You only touch once, and you can do all those actions. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, or even just clearing all notifications by holding. You know, you use yeah. this little tiny X, and it kind of like wiggles away and stuff. Now I press it with intention and force. Clears all my notifications. Mm -hmm. And like for your less, less used widgets, like um, the news one, I don't think I use it too much. And also um, the maps one I don't have, but it'll show like upcoming destinations. So that's pretty cool. Like you just get it there and it's already managed for you. So notifications became a lot more useful in that sense. Or sorry, the touch became a lot more useful in that sense. Yeah. And the widgets that you don't always use still being there is a really cool concept. Um, it's really handy. And it's nice to just get some financial information like that, like the weather if you don't want to go delete. Exactly. And to do is even has implemented a really great 3D touch thing where it gives you the things that are due today as well as the ability to add it to your um oh, nice. And you can act on that too. Like. Yeah, exactly. Um, so most of the time I usually just see what is due today or what's due in the next seven days, and that's all available through the 3D touch mechanism. Nice. You know, reminders of that too, and I love that I can like check them off in reminders. A lot of my reminders now are done through the widget view, um, either in the widget view itself or on the app. Or, yeah, the 3D touch widget thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. And like, a lot of ways to just get things done, kind of wherever your workflow is. Um, but you spoke, brought up really quickly the music application. So this is also another major aspect of iOS and that I was really excited for. Um, being an Apple Music subscriber, pretty much since the, from the beginning. And I've had definitely frustrations with what I'll say is the, was the original compromise implementation of Apple Music into the music app. Um, there's definitely the sense where there was a... Uh, cluttering of information. It took too many taps to get to some major components. Um, and a lot of the music discovery, the beats one, the radio thing, I think kind of got hidden behind the interface's complexity. Um, for the music app, I know there's been a lot of strong feedback. People really don't like the design language and the interactions, um, especially with the typography and how large things are. I really like it. I've had a really easier time navigating. And it's not because, I'm not sure whether or not I'm conditioned of having the more difficult one to use and now having this simplified <laughs> one. 
But I like the typography, especially like in the context of like moving very quickly, walking, glancing my phone, changing a playlist, or even like driving. Like it's very easy to use. Mm-hmm. I think the way they presented it was really spot on because the new music typography, which I mean, I'll agree, like it is a little, um, it's different than a lot of the other designs. Inconsistent, I wouldn't quite say, because like a lot of the fonts are the same, and the navigation elements are the same. I'd say it's in line, but it is distinctly the music app. Yeah. But it makes the music app seem really fun, for lack of a better word. And I want to ask, since you brought that up, I'm imagining like, is this kind of like the Beats touch, right? Like, the Beats touch was like very loud, the logo, it's like imagery and stuff, and they brought on a lot of the development team. And even I want to make the argument when they had that Beats music executive present, she was really like bombastic and really loud and playful and stuff. I just kind of like, for me mentally, I translated where like, yeah, that Beats infusion of whimsicality, fun, and boldness, trying the music app. I'm not really sure on how the lines are drawn there or anything, but to me as a consumer, like the impression and the taste it leaves in the mouth is kind of like, you know, the music division is not this highly, well, I mean, they are highly technical, but the, the end product is something strictly focused on music, not on being like, um, you know, and I'm sure they, they will use say like the best and fastest, but that's not the, the, the feeling that you get when you first open it. It's not like it's focused on breakneck speed or you know, being the latest. It's like, this is like fun and easily discoverable music and like some cool like, pictures everywhere and yeah. collages. Um, so it, it just seems, to me, it just seems like a very fun design. Yeah. Like, at the core, I, I don't know that's the best way to describe it, but I just like the impression of it. Yeah, exactly. And I like it. I have no problems with it. I think the typography is actually fine. It's easy to read, especially on the go. Um, also, there are new additions of uh, the uh, the playlists that are built. So there's one custom one that uses all your current music. It's updated every Wednesday, and then they have the new music one. I know that's kind of in competition of Spotify. People are big fans of those custom playlists. Um, I played the one that was made for me out of my own music library, expecting not really not much because I've had um, a lot of old music from high school I didn't like. But it brought back, uh, brought back throwbacks and songs I totally forgot about that I really enjoyed streaming to my Apple TV and listening. My roommate and I listened to a whole bunch of the songs that we loved in ninth grade and we had a great time. Mm. Yeah, I've used them a little bit. Um, I Not a lot. I'm happy they're doing it though. You know, I'm glad they're like keeping up with Spotify and kind of keeping this like, um, I, I guess you'll say three primary music platforms to me if you want to kind of title book. But really like this dichotomy of music and Spotify going into one feature or feature and playing them differently. So. I'm glad they brought that. It's, it's a good feature to have to keep it yeah. to horse race. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, personally an improvement. I like using it again. Um, and once again, I just like how it integrates with uh, my Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going on our list, uh, we're actually almost to the end, thankfully, because we're going along on this podcast. But um, <laughs> so Just some quick, maybe uh, throw them out. Yeah, like we, we kind of already touched on this one. Um, maps, the integrations with the open table, lifted Uber, just getting it right in there. Yeah. Um, I, I, one thing we should know is the Uber and Lyft stuff, when you open it up, you can see all the prices right there. Like, uh, wow. That is so useful, I think. Compare the prices. And yeah, and compare between with the Uber. Like, that's huge. Yeah, and even like what Rob showed me, I wasn't even planning on using Maps. I'm such a big user of Google Maps, but seeing how you can find a restaurant in Maps and then directly in the application, book the table and open table without even having to think about it. that kind of made me click and realize, you know, that light bulb, like, wow, this integration is super useful also in Maps. I think it would have been cool if this had come out, like, uh, during the summer, and so they made a Maps extension that just showed all the Pokemon on the map. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's so smart. That would have been genius. Wow. Kind of crowdsourcing, kind of building that app store once again for the yeah. Maps platform, so it, it I'm, I'm not even different. sure what, like, the capability of a, Mac ext- of a Maps extension is, but that would be cool. But that open table thing, really, if you guys haven't seen it yet, just download open table allow the integration in Maps and just see how it works because it kind of makes so much sense. Yeah, OpenTable did a really nice job integrating their software across, making it really easy to use and um, kind of like, you know, very effortless. Yeah. Um, um, the other one that I have just on my list really quickly um, and kind of points out, a lot of people who have been using iPads, especially the bloggers who are going iPad only, have realized that iOS has not been very iPad focused. I think uh, iOS 9 was really that coming of moment, coming of growth for the iPad with the split screen, the multitasking, things like that too. The one notable uh, thing for iOS 10 for iPad is now you can have two app uh, tabs and Safari open next to each other, um, which is really nice. Um, I've always tried fixing that problem with just using Chrome as my other browser and splitting it, but this is nice. But I think this shows that, you know, I'm hoping that there's gonna be a point upgrade, a major one for iPad to kind of augment it more as a, as a PC, as a main computer platform. 
Uh, I'm not really that upset. I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't more, but I'm hoping that you know down the line throughout the year they're going to add these incremental upgrades uh, mm-hmm. for the device since I love it so much. It, it was very clear this was a very phone centric iOS update. Um, you know, yeah, I would really agree with that. Um, lastly, one other thing we did not include iOS, but um, it's kind of a small feature. It's one that like you almost don't even know is there, but um, the universal copy paste. Oh yeah. I uh, I use two two step authentication on a lot of my devices where I have like the codes and I copy and paste and stuff like that. And this is like this is a godsend. Like you can copy it on your iOS device where you have your authenticator and just get it back and forth. That's really cool. So there's a lot of stuff there. I think. Um, I think it's one of those features once again that makes the idea of the hybridization of like hardware and software really shine. Like this grand vision that whenever whatever device you're using, you can still share the information. I think AirDrop tried to kind of be like that, but I think the universal clipboard and my use of it has been very consistent, very nice, seamless, really. Mm-hmm. And I know Microsoft talked about doing this with OneDrive. I, I can't remember if they actually got it or not, but um, this, this is obviously much more seamless. I because Microsoft doesn't create all their hardware. I obviously got on Windows and stuff like that and other Windows devices, but um, if you have installed the one up and get it there. So it's a really nice, like, you literally don't even know it's there, but it, 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 it does just, work. It works. Kind of cool. It's just cool. Still that slogan. Um, so we're definitely over, so I'm going to cut it there. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our thoughts on iOS 10. If you have any thoughts of your own, please drop us a line. You can always email us at ticktechtalkshow at gmail.com or tweet us at ticktechtalkshow. Uh, we're on Facebook, again, as Tic Tech Talk. Feel free to like it. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and a plethora of other podcasting services. Please rate and review. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. And lastly, you can follow me and Candice on Twitter, at Candice Poon and at rrusso 44 um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry for being still on podcast. <laughs> we're really not sorry. We want to get those good thoughts in there. Um, and yeah, have a good one. Bye. Bye.